This podcast will discuss controversial subjects in what some may think is a derogatory way. We fully respect everyone's freedom of religion and our freedom of speech. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Remedial Sunday School, where we provide our friend Jen with the Sunday school she missed while growing up secular. And I contribute with the colorful commentary. I'm Tanya, a slightly traumatized former Catholic. I'm Claire, born in the Bible Belt and now living in the Midwest. And I'm Jen. I grew up a godless heathen in a happy secular household. I'm looking forward to being traumatized by the same stories that Tanya and Claire were. Solidarity. So you guys, why don't we explain the hows and whys of why we decided to make this podcast? I study medieval art and religion, an occupation in part motivated by never getting the answers I wanted about how women practice Christianity. I saw the VeggieTales Jonah movie in theaters and may have participated in biblical skits in the backyard with my homeschool friends in kindergarten. I'm also a scholar of medieval art and religion who has been known to drop some innocuous Christian facts in my day-to-day life. And I'm a scholar of pre-modern and early modern Japanese literature and visual culture. I'd like to assure you all that technically I'm a certified smart person, but Japanese studies has not really helped me understand very much about the Bible and other religious things. Thus, I have had my mind blown by some pretty basic knowledge about Jesus stuff that uh, Tanya and Claire have just dropped in everyday conversation. Basically, Claire and I, with a group of circulating guests and friends, will provide Jen with religious education she missed through the lens of our grown-up scholarly experience. Yes, this shall be the most professional, rigorously academic of all podcasts. As always, sources, interesting images, reading recommendations, and whatever else we think might be hilarious will be posted along with the episode. And today is our spooky episode for Halloween. And hopefully Jen will remember to add some spooky noises. Spooky. (laughs) So today's topic is Southern hell plays because they don't seem to be a thing outside of the Southern United States. Very regionally specific. And today, for our first guest of our podcast is Shelby. Shelby, you want to introduce yourself? Yes, my name is Shelby. I have a very eclectic um, church upbringing. Started out Pentecostal with a little sprinkling of Southern Baptist and landed firmly planted in the United Methodist Church uh, and have not looked back since. I was born on Halloween, so this is very fitting, uh, and I just really cannot wait to tell you about what the hell a hell play is. I'm so excited <laughs> and also thrilled that you were born on Halloween. This is perfect. It's fitting. It's fitting. <laughs> Before we get into hell plays, I just want to note that I think it's fitting that like, or not fitting, ironic, it's some sort of word that we're actually having an episode about Halloween because. Well, I always got to celebrate Halloween and go trick-or-treating growing up. There are definitely some people in some of the churches I grew up going to that didn't celebrate Halloween, but instead celebrated Reformation Sunday or Reformation Day with like dressing up like Martin Luther and pretending to nail the 95 theses to the door in the church in Wittenberg. We weren't even Lutheran. I don't know why the obsession with Luther, but John Calvin doesn't have anything to do with Halloween. So I'm, I'm sorry. Why? I think it's because Halloween is devilish. I mean, the Catholics stole everything from the pagans. Leave Halloween alone. I had a a religious friend who was probably like my first only friend in Idaho for a long time (laughs) while in elementary school because none of the other kids wanted to play with a a heathen child. Their parents were not a big fan of that. And she, oh man, she tried to get me to go to 
whatever her church was. It was the hand-waving and singing type of church. That's the extent of really what I know about it. They were not cool with Halloween at all, and they wanted everyone to go to their church and do, like, it had, like, a little, like, carnival or something like that, but I was not really... (laughs) Yeah. Trunk or treat was not a thing yet when I was growing up, but uh, trick-or-treating in my, my neighborhood now um, has been killed by trick-or-treating. It is thoroughly dead. We don't even buy candy anymore. I went to a couple of her church's Halloween fairs or whatever, but then left early and then promptly did the real fun stuff of like, you know, trick-or-treating and getting the real good candy. So Shelby, why don't you tell us more about Southern Health Place, what they are, your experiences at them. Yeah. And then Also, just for all of our listeners, this is a blanket trigger warning for everything. And if you do not like our cursing, we don't care. Wait, wait, wait. No one's one's gonna die in this uh, hell play thing, are they? (laughs) Everybody dies in a hell play. If you are in a hell play, (laughs) just be ready because you die. Trigger warning for major character death. Well, allow me to uh, elaborate on on a hell play. A hell play generally takes place in, at least my experience, more working class Southern evangelical churches, particularly within the Southern Baptist context and within some Pentecostal circles. I've talked to all of my mainline friends, my Catholic friends. I talked to a Catholic friend today and she had no idea what I was talking about. (laughs) So I didn't realize how niche of an experience it was within the broader Christendom. Apparently it's pretty niche. So the general aim for these plays is to give people like an air quote dose of reality um (laughs) aka scare people into believing in jesus Mm -hmm. um and not only like believing in jesus but to like say these are the things that will uh if you if you do them like sorry about (laughs) you you're going to hell (laughs) So it's aimed at a very specific set of ethics and a very specific set of beliefs. So generally, like, there is a whole lot of nuance within what is broader Christianity. This is a very narrow set of those beliefs. So everything that they present to you follows that set of belief and ethics. And if you fit in with those specifics, you're fine. You have nothing to worry about. You're going to heaven. If you fall outside of them in any little way possible, sucks for you. (laughs) So in that, there is The play that I went and saw when I was 11 years old, so 2002, Shelby, for her birthday, went and saw Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames, and it was a hell of a birthday party, let me tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Do they charge money to go? Do you have to pay to go to the hell plays or? I think they did charge money, but I can't, I can't confirm or or deny that. They should be going to hell for charging money for that. (laughs) I'm I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised because Shelby, a couple of weeks ago, we looked up the prices of the like the Noah's Ark thing, and for just like to get into like the Ark and the museum, it was like eighty five dollars for an adult. It's expensive. I mean, like if you've ever like tried to buy a commentary Bible and how expensive those are. like what's you, a commentary bible <laughs> oh yeah good question uh it's a bible with commentary basically like uh oh, okay like the one time there's an I array was of like, like a specific like of what a commentary say, bible is i will say if you get a academic one like the new oxford annotated bible yes it's not that expensive different religions have different ones and they tend to charge whatever they want Okay, I thought like a commentary Bible was going to be like a Bible that has like notes in it from like your regional like, yeah, I don't know the names of all the different like clergy people, like your pastor or the local priest or something, (laughs) like something, something more personal than that. That technically means that the the teen study Bible that (laughs) I showed you guys the other day, that is that considered a commentary Bible? In a very loose sense, yes. Very loose. (laughs) 
Think of it as the gateway drug. <laughs> Pretty sure there's like, a page in that that has probably. I think some Nancy Reagan would approve. Probably would. But this is the, this is the gateway study bible. Like you get the cool teen one and like. Oh, yeah. it's sort of like a. At least and it's in a, a font and has colors. Oh, it does. Like, it does. <laughs> it has all the colors on it. At least in like the Protestant churches I grew up attending, there was sort of like a keeping up with the Joneses of like what Bible you brought to church with you of like oh, yes. wow. Wow. It's, it's a bragging sign like... to have that fancy thick study Bible. That, like, I, yes. I I would like to I would like to say that in uh, my Catholic experience, my Catholic education, no one brought any Bibles to church. Mm. Enough and honestly. Yeah. We're there with our like little Hindle and the little Catholic approved readings for the mass and then uh you're just looking at your watch until your hour is up then you can just nope right out of there <laughs> the best <laughs> thing about bringing your own bible was though if you had one that had maps in the back so that you could oh do they show where the made-up rivers are <laughs> from genesis <laughs> <laughs> no it's You're just so like maps gen. of israel in Palestine, <laughs> in the Mediterranean. Oh, that's Okay, okay. I, I think it's... my Precious Moments Bible has. Oh, <laughs> Shelby, I didn't tell you. I have a Precious Moments Bible that I got with my baptism. Aww. It's a, it's a, it's, it's straight out of 1992. With your it's little nice. white angelic baby figures. <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's bound in white. Baby leather. Jesus with the blonde hair. Oh yeah. A little white nightcap. So do cute. they make? non-white precious moments characters like they do mm-hmm. oh. who knew they're how old is elusive now I wonder how old precious moments is and did they introduce the non-white precious moments characters suspiciously too late <laughs> in its history <laughs> uh, i feel oh, like i had a halloween one when i was little ish i think they had someone we were children Okay. yeah that's more of a lisa frank than a precious moments kid uh, uh same. <laughs> i know those two are very equivalent uh <laughs> i just put a halloween one and a link to a halloween precious moments doll in the chat okay i'm looking this up right now I, oh, oh my god <laughs> I I like, okay, I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I hate everything about this. And also I hate that my initial reaction to this was, oh, also it's $51. Yeah. I was about to say that. This is $51. This is so expensive. Yes. But if you sign up for their emails, you receive $10 off on your next order of 30 or more. I mean, so basically that is like the gist of what a hell play is. It's to like present these pretty like vast dualistic interpretations of what it is to be a good Christian versus what it is to fall outside of any good Christian descriptor. So in the one that I ended up going to when I was 11 years old, Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames at one of the Baptist churches in Baytown, Texas, there were a set amount of scenarios that were acted out by church members. One of them was a little girl and her mom walking through a parking lot, parking garage situation. And mom is a busy business woman. She has a full-time job and just, there is no time for church. And, you know, sweetie, I wish, I wish I could go to church with you, but mommy has a very important meeting and uh, can't make it to church. I'm sorry. I can't make it to Wednesday group with you and have dinner with grandma and grandpa, but you know, you go ahead and I promise one day, one day I will go with you. And then they get hit by a car. Yeah. Yeah. I've kind of seen that coming. Yeah. Check were you, smoking were you, seeing, car. were you seeing that coming? Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I I wasn't. I was. I mean, <clears throat> like 
the whole setup is that <laughs> everybody in the play dies and nobody, nobody in this play <laughs> if you're in this play you're dying or you're jesus okay and <laughs> anyway uh, <laughs> so they get hit by a car and daughter goes to heaven you know she's a child and she goes to church and sucks for mom she's getting dragged off to hell with satan question where's dad dad's not there well dad has to work and you know provide for the family he's too busy to be be in the hell play but i thought mom had a job uh, you know, this sounds like the beginning of like every Hallmark movie where it's like, it's a busy woman like, living in a city who doesn't have time for Christmas or the church until she goes to a small town. Well, here's, here's the thing. If she had been in the kitchen, like she was supposed to be all along, I guess the story would have turned out differently for her. Hmm. Uh, and, and that is like, kind of like this sort of back of the room messaging that you get which is still like it's all very sexist and so mother would have been better off if she had just stopped working not provided food or clothing or shelter for her child and just hung out at church with the kid all the time yes okay okay that is that is the the message here okay okay i have a question yes so if dad is not in the picture and mom is not supposed to work are these people willing to let their taxes be raised to provide more of a safety net for this woman <laughs> to raise her child? No, Tanya, she needs to bootstrap her way out of her problem by not working, but also by making money, but not by working. And not by too <laughs> she, much money. And she better get her ass in that church. <laughs> what she needs to do is start selling some Mary Kay mm, yep. and... <laughs> And start selling some makeup to mm-hmm. the pastor's wife and her cronies. I mean, her her friends. <laughs> it's a very confusing sort of message. So yeah. like, and, and really here's the thing about these hell plays. Like they're the hypothetical scenarios. But like when you think about the amount of people who are in the audience and they're working moms, that creates an actual dilemma for people. And, and so that when your child of, is like, haha, mom, you're going to hell after they come home from the play. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's the haha, mom, you're going to hell. And then, you know, if you're me and 11 years old and like, you know, your dad doesn't go to church, there's this fear that like your dad's going to die and he's going to go to hell and you're never going to see him again. Probably and more so there's like, it's yeah, right, right. So, which was my ordeal when I was 11 years years old it's very funny on one hand to like look back and like how truly stupid and ignorant and bigoted these plays are and also there's a very real traumatization process that's going on not just for for your children but for everyone in the audience because like the actual human experience is way more complicated Mm -hmm. and like it turns out that kids and parents do die at the same time in these tragic accidents and sometimes like you just are too busy to go to church people do die in drunk driver accidents so when you come to the point where you're grieving the loss of a loved one how do you reconcile that with this really quite frankly shitty theology that has told you that the person that you hold dear to your to your heart is suffering for eternity and they deserve it so in short it's pretty fucked up Uh. (laughs) in short too long don't read they fucked up Yeah, that, that's many layers of fucked up and gosh, you're making it hard for me to make a callous joke about this. To lie the <laughs> no, you can't, you can't. <laughs> no, please be callous. <laughs> they deserve it. Uh, dead families. <laughs> well, one uh. of the hardest ones and like I still, I mean, there's, you know, as we, as we in this uh, more modern age are a little bit more trauma informed. Like these plays are very sensorial. So with a lot of them, it's not just enacting these scenarios, but there are video and audio components, a lot of flashing lights. So like very, very sensory heavy experiences. And one of the ones that I like 
I most clearly remember was actually a scenario about suicide. And it was a woman in the throes of depression, husband left her, sees no way out. And you sort of see like she's got a gun on the table, like is obviously like trying to figure out should I or shouldn't I? And, you know, you sort of see like Jesus off to like stage right reaching out for her and trying to like say no 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 no, don't do this well she does it and and it is it's a graphic experience it is one of the most horrible things I think I've ever seen and it was just like it was just a play you know and she goes to hell because also that's also something you should know about like Christianity in general is that if you complete suicide then generally they say that you go to hell it depends on the tradition that you that you grow up in like in more like science recognizing faith communities like you know the united methodist church your episcopalians your more mainline protestant i have not run into anyone anyways who has said oh yeah that will you'll go to hell for that it's been more in catholicism i've run into it and i've run into it obviously like in the southern baptist and in pentecostal circles where there's just like a hard line and so it's just this horrible thing to to have witnessed uh, with all of these visuals, of course. And also I, there was this family that, that was in this, in this play and they were involved in it. And I want to say maybe three, four years after the play that I saw, they lost their daughter to suicide. And I always wondered though it was never confirmed for me. I mean, I, I have no idea, but I always wondered how they reconciled that where you are not only watching a play about this, but you are active, you are an active participant in this. You are agreeing, you are signing yourself on with this bullshit, harmful, traumatizing theology. And then you actually lose a daughter to suicide yourself. And how do you, like, how do you grieve that? You know, how do you grieve the loss of a child, period? But how do you do that when you were deeply embedded in this, in this world that has pronounced eternal damnation on the child you love so much. Where does the rationale for suicide being a one-way express ticket to hell come from exactly? Like where does it say it in the Bible or is it just like, Oh, so it's just like a shitty canon that some people decide to make up and just keep going with the train of thought is that so one it's if you have a theology that holds every sin you ever commit needs to be repented or else you're gonna go to hell that's sort of like my assumption is like the launch pad for this and suicide is murder it's self-murder is how they would it's defaming god's creation defaming god's creation Mm -hmm. as our resident uh it's the same Yes, you're defaming God's uh, creation, us, which does Uh, not extend to the animals of the field or the mm -hmm. birds or the birds, the burdens, animals. Genesis episode. Atmosphere. So there's like the self-murder, there's defaming creation. And then the other one I've heard tacked onto it is you're taking into your own hands, you know, God's control over life. And so because it is final, you can't ask for repentance. And so Mm -hmm. therefore you will go to hell Mm -hmm. in the the context (laughs) of like growing up in the weird Pentecostal Southern Baptist circle there are like of course other nuances to that depending on who you are and your theology no catholics have like Um, last rites that are super duper important like i see it in like movies yeah yeah, yeah. we can get we can get to that we can get (laughs) but the last rites are interesting but yeah no i'll I'll get to another time that's like but i was actually gonna say uh shelby um you know if you were to get your PhD, you could uh, do a comparison of hell plays to medieval uh, liturgical dramas. 
gonna mm. and then I mean, you've got Dante's Inferno I mean so like as a whole concept it's they're not totally new they're just bad <laughs> It seems like from what your description of this one was is that they increased the production budget, but not the writer's budget, so that uh, they didn't really, you know, added you know some nuance. So, like, here uh, really is what they do is, um, like, there are companies that make this stuff. So, like, your individual churches don't actually produce this oh. content. Um, what they are, they pay for it that um actually produce the content my assumption is that that includes video audio scripts the whole nine yards for these plays so like your your church really is just kind of like your lip service to uh these productions they're not actually like creating it they're just hosting it and promoting it and buying into it so the church pays money for this stuff to someone else who has created it i was imagining like children in the church acting in these plays and okay so i guess no children do act in them no they do they they like it's like it's like they buy okay and this is a flashback for shelby and i it's kind of like when we were in high school and you're in student government like Shelby and I were, and you had to decide what your package is going to be for homecoming decorations, and you have a budget, <laughs> okay, and you have to pick the package that you want in your budget, and so when you pick the package you want, like China, China, as <laughs> uh, uh, Shelby is having some memories to do something different, and you pick China, then. You get all of the items in the package to decorate your high school common area as in China-esque decorations. I feel like Shelby's having a flashback right now. And, and like China the country? Yes. Yes. And <laughs> the country with Saudi. countless numbers of different ethnicities and different oh, you know, the tribal more you're groups. Talking, the um, more I hate myself. Yeah. <laughs> But yet yeah, one whole thing, you know, you know, the Chinese communist hey. government would love this idea of one China that you could have. I mean, the I, mean I mean, the colors were on point with the current climate. <laughs> they were red and gold. But it's like you buy this package, but they don't provide the label. Like you have to uh, like decorate. So uh, what other hell plays do we have? Okay. I, I do want to say um, one, the specific hell play that Shelby was describing to us that she went to at age 11, um, according to their website, which I have linked in the chat, by the way, the bit, it says, there's a section of their website that says benefit of the drama, question mark, souls are saved. On average, we see 10 to 20% of the crowd respond to an altar call at the end of each drama to give their lives to Jesus Christ. I feel like that's not a very good percentage. That seems, yeah, not only is that a low percentage, but also, like, how do you even guarantee, like, you can't just claim that you saved some people's souls, and that's something you have to find out later. So at the very end of the play, there's, like, a message from the pastor, and what they do is, like, they have little forms for you to fill out that, like, you have to check the box of, like, I committed my life to Jesus or like I recommitted my life to Jesus or like this play didn't change me at all. Like some kind of form that you're supposed to fill out now, like after having this visceral experience, like this, you know, after being shown these very, very, um, horrifying, graphic, horrifying (laughs) ways that you can die and go to hell and, you know, there's a lot of other 11 year olds in the room and their parents uh who are already the very least semi bought into this uh, peer pressure you get a lot of check boxes uh and I also don't remember there being a box of like I'm already a Christian and nothing has changed so like and also that's according to my 11 year old brain that I just don't remember uh so you know take that for what you will uh but yes Um, they they count like the soul saved according to those little surveys that they hand out immediately after the drama is over and you have to like hand them in 
in our homework for this episode. We watched King of the Hill season <laughs> two, episode four from 1997. Yes. Here we all remember with great fondness. I love 1997. It was a very <laughs> Uh, my parents got divorced in 1997. What else happened to me then? <laughs> Mine got divorced. No, they uh, were 1999, I think. <laughs> I apparently received that teen study Bible in uh, 1997. Did you really? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yes, I wasn't I allowed to watch a lot of TV growing up, but I could watch Princess Diana's funeral in 1997. Oh my, oh my God. I have a, I can tell you that Princess Diana dying was a like, a moment in my life that I will never forget because for whatever reason small Tanya this was pre the divorce by the way they had it on like the early morning news when I was getting ready to go to private catholic school as a child we were leaving really early and they like put it on the news and for whatever reason I went into hysterics I cried so hard that princess Diana had died I have no idea why Maybe I knew her in a past life. I don't know. But for whatever reason, my little like five, like four to five year old self completely <laughs> had like a life altering meltdown when Princess Di died. And I take two seconds to pop into my closet yes. over here, here and yes. I will show you something that's peak 1997 if it's still in there. I hope it is. Oh, it better be. I mean, there's a good chance it could be stored in my basement. My recollection of princess die dying was hearing about it in sunday school in kids church the next day which are two different things in the pentecostal church just so you know and the same thing in the they Catholics. talked about all- they talked about <laughs> princess diana dying and the importance of being saved because you could die at any oh, moment like it's oh, always a life lesson <laughs> you could die at even any outside moment. of halloween yeah. I am not okay. <laughs> this podcast might be partially for our own personal therapy that we just subject Jen to. <laughs> All right, guys, I need you to brace yourselves for peak 1997. Okay, okay. you found it. This beanie baby right here is the Princess Diana. Mm-hmm. Fucking died, beanie oh. baby. <laughs> Wait, that's actually probably worth some serious cash. I don't think it is. Well, maybe now. Okay, I'm gonna Google died. it on eBay right now. I'm gonna see <laughs> how much people are She's been sealed in this box for in the box. I mean, well, they don't normally come in box. Okay, so if you weren't a beanie baby collector in the '90s, let me inform you about what the beanie baby scene was like. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. They come okay. in boxes. Jen, someone has this beanie baby listed for. Nine hundred thousand dollars. Did it sell for nine hundred thousand dollars? Because if it does, no, that would make a pretty good deal. This on my one person ones. has it. I feel like these people listed these like many, many years ago, and they just okay. like did it. Someone is selling it for a dollar twenty-five. Yeah, but someone yeah. else. There's two different kinds. Apparently, it depends on whether one has PVC pellets or whether one has polyethylene pellet filling. Ooh. Let me see if I can see the tag. <laughs> See, when I was a kid, part of my trauma that this is triggering right now is that my father would always, um, at Christmas, buy us collector Barbies because that one day they would become worth something. That's not true. P.E. And, um, oh, that's not the super rare one. You want PVC. Yeah. So maybe, PVC. So you All should right. just bury it in your backyard and then like in a hundred years, someone will dig it up and be like, look at this rat. <laughs> Yeah, I had to share that little that little chunk of 1997 with you. I don't even know I why mean, I bought it. I think I just it was like, well, because of Beanie Baby craze, and everyone thought that they were going to be worth something. Oh, they are. Okay, okay, uh, okay, okay. But someone I didn't give a shit about Princess selling, Diana. Someone is someone is selling it in that same plastic case for twenty five dollars. Cool. That's probably half of what my mom might have paid for it because <laughs> it was going to be worth in 1997 money. Yeah, I wouldn't mind selling this bear. I do not give a shit about this bear. But. You could buy a lot of 12 for 100 bucks. Jen, um, do you have any questions about, about the King of the Hill episode? Oh. And you have three native Texans with you oh. currently. Well, I was going to say that I know this was supposed to be um, a, you know, 
I'm guessing Southern Baptist kind of oriented hell play thingy, but the part where they told you, told uh, all the kids that if you have sex, you're going to die was not too dissimilar from my ostensibly secular um, public high school, like sex education class. So <laughs> that part was very familiar. Oh, oh, oh. Um, Shelby, when you took hell, did you have to watch the Lifetime movie where the girl is like a musician and then all of a sudden uh, she like decides to do like one bad thing in her entire life, which is like go to this party. And then she's sexually assaulted. And then like she gets pregnant and it's like the end of the world. And there's like this whole thing about the whole thing about the movie was like, don't be a bad girl and go to parties. And cause you could get sexually assaulted and also sex is bad. No, we didn't watch that one. We watched another one about a girl getting AIDS because her boyfriend didn't wear a condom and they did the pull out method. Oh, I don't remember that one. I mean, maybe this one was a lifetime movie, but I I don't actually know or if if it was like one of those, but like there was was a very good girl and one was a very bad girl and the bad girl, her brother uh, had contracted HIV and eventually died of AIDS because he was gay when her bad friend learned that she was having unprotected sex and was just doing the pullout method. And so therefore that's safe sex. She got really mad and told her you need to use condoms and that pregnancy isn't the only thing that you have to worry about. And then it turns out that the good girl who had the safe pullout sex ended up contracting HIV. And it ends with her going to like a support group. So that's the one that I remember watching. Well, I definitely remember that mine had like a rape component because I was traumatized. No, they didn't show rape in in my sex ed class. At least I don't remember if they did. Maybe I blocked it out. Also, I don't know. Maybe we should be showing Lifetime movies in our sex ed (laughs) class. Why would they call it Lifetime if it wasn't a true biographical life accurate experience that people were having on a regular basis? You like the uh, Hank Hill uh, part of the um, whenever he tells her to like get out of his house and he says Exodus. Exodus! I did. I (laughs) caught that reference. Claire's husband about died. (laughs) Yeah. He like laughed for like 10 minutes straight and then like the next day he was still like laughing about it it's a good joke it's a good good one look king of the hill i think gets a lot of shit for not being like intelligent humor and what i say to that is that's a load of garbage this is one of the most smartly written shows i've ever had the pleasure of watching I would tend to agree with that. I don't, I can't speak to its accuracy for Southern or like Texas culture. I'm sure I can pull you three and you would probably say it it is. It's pretty accurate. uh, It seems uh, it's, I I do remember watching, um, (laughs) it's the episode where um, Hank decides to join a hippie dippy grocery co-op because he likes the quality of their beef and stuff. (laughs) Um, And (laughs) their inability to wrap their minds around profit and making money was 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 delightful um I thought Peggy Hill's comment about having bake sailed her way um, yeah was was quite accurate Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love the shout out to the Methodist church so I was a freshman in high school this uh attractive person Mm -hmm. is a dude tall and blonde my type anyways who invited me because what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to invite your 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 heathen friends yes mm-hmm. so you pass out bookmarks to people is what you do I feel like I was that heathen friend for- he didn't give me a bookmark but he was like hey I'm gonna be in this so you know you could always come and like see me in the play you can and see me in the play like, we'll tell definitely me not fuck afterwards <laughs> and then I was like tell me more about this play and then and then he did and I was like I'm no longer attracted to you okay bye <laughs> like what a what a way to make a move like my my hot girl summer came the next summer when I came back junior year and like or my sophomore year and everyone was like damn nice. I'm like I was here you just didn't know I was here because I mm-hmm. wore an oversized black hoodie and listened to black parade with Shelby 
<laughs> we all did. We all did. I think still somewhere I have the under oath CD that you burnt for me. <laughs> Anyways. You know, so, your, your discussions of like, you know, the inviting friends to, to hell plays and like church events and stuff has really illuminated a lot of the experiences I had uh, with that particular friend uh, at the end of whatever service that there was on, on Sundays. Been, Does anyone want to be saved? And her kind of being like, no <laughs> and I'm like I I don't want that man to touch me I also appreciated the fact that in King of the Hill Bobby was so motivated by food they were like yes have we will give you sweets we will feed mm-hmm. you and he's like oh so actually about hallelujah houses is like an actual like hallelujah house like a thing is that like so I th- that that seems to be like an invention but like the same like the kind one- of goal and the same so, kind of content but in a different format this is a good lead-in to our uh judgment so pretty much uh this this one place is called judgment house so not hallelujah house but judgment house like hallelujah house was like whatever the writers of king of the hill like made but it judgment house sounds too upbeat to me like it doesn't sound threatening yes. enough but uh judgment house has many different ones and this year they have a new script it's called crosswalk when our lives intersect with god's truth <clears throat> so now i will read you some of the available scripts um that you can you can choose from and pay probably a shit ton of fucking money for to do. <clears throat> so their new script called Crosswalk. Crosswalk is a story of a motorcycle slash pedestrian accident that brings a tragic end to three lives. The script is uniquely designed to show a glimpse of each character's thoughts and how what they perceive as truth intersects with God's truth. This one's terrifying. It's called Abducted. Oh, God. After cheer practice, teenager Kate Davis and her younger sister Becca decide to go to a movie with Wendy and Abby Colson. Fucking Abby. Um, Abby and Becca had no idea that their worst nightmare was awaiting them in the shadows of the dingy theater parking lot. Kidnapper snatch the girls and kill their friend Justin in the process. Wait, 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 where did he come in? Will SWAT arrive in time or will the girls' lives be lost in the wake of abduction? Pretty sure they're gonna die. They're all gonna die. That's the they're point. They're gonna fucking die. Why are they baiting us with the death? Just leave the death and get to the other stuff. Can I just say I mean, I'm exploring the website and under why present judgment house, they have a quote from a US congressman endorsing them which one name name johnson from youngstown ohio oh nobody knows him also fuck ohio <laughs> hate that state. also 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 youngstown ohio used to be a, a a mob a mob town okay here's another one behind the family portrait it has been a rough for years in the jernigan household you shouldn't like put in weird last names and they're writing with a specific person like fuck you you're gonna go to hell okay. <laughs> uh, it's been a rough few years in the Jer- jernigan household and the stress has taken its toll on hank the jobless father of two and a failing husband the emotional unrest hank has experienced from his circumstances leads him to react to violence on his family mismanaged relationships at home have left the family bruised and in pieces is that literal i don't know the devastation is intensified when the jernigan children are killed in the car crash with words and acts of love unexpressed parents hank and june must find a way to move on a source of peace it literally says to move on dot 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 a source of peace Will a letter from their daughter lead them towards their savior? I say no, so they all die. Honestly, I was expecting this to get like a turn to be a family annihilator story since unhappy, violent, abusive men are more likely to just kill their whole entire fucking family. Uh, under I extreme also emotional duress. thought that it might be a um, family annihilator. Why is it always a uh, car crash? 
One of them is about a home invasion. I feel like the gun lobby is underwriting. <laughs> it's really weird. I, oh, oh, here, here's some more drama for you, Jen. Okay. River Ridge High is in the basketball championship. Their team is having an extraordinary, what shall we? Sorry, I just. I'm vomited. already imagining. Is this a Columbine situation <laughs> or is this the the team okay. all dies in the fucking bus crash? Oh. No, 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 no. Get, get, prepare yourself. Okay. A little bit more cray. <clears throat> their team is having an extraordinary year, led by their star players, Rob and Kevin. Much of the praise, however, lies with Coach Wyatt who's been a constant role model and avenue of support and encouragement for the team. Kevin and Rob seem to be distracted by a flirtatious cheerleader named Dinah. In order to refocus his players... It's not even Diana or anything. It's Dinah. It's Dinah Dinah. in the Bible. Oh. We'll we'll tell that story uh, in, in a minute. Okay. In order to refocus his players, Coach Wyatt challenges them with scripture, and both Kevin and Rob give their life to Christ. Okay, sounds like an actual crossing of the church and state boundaries. Anyways, then just before tip-off of the big game, disaster strikes as a tornado touches down and rips the gymnasium apart. Coach Wyatt, Rob, and Dinah lose their lives. Oh. Can I read the next one? Wait, let, let, let Shelby tell who Dinah is real quick before we get distracted. Oh, Dinah in the Bible is the oldest or is the only daughter of Jacob. So like the patriarch of the family of Israel. She is raped and by someone in a near-ish town and the brother's exact revenge on him. And Jacob gets real mad about it or something. That's bullshit. The rape is that the one where the brothers make everyone in the neighboring town get circumcised and then like attack them? Yes, that's it. Yes. Whoa. 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 Okay. Okay. This is gonna have to be its own episode now. I'm very intrigued. I don't remember this one. Not just the guy that did it, but the entire town where the guy was from. Yes. And it like creates a situation for Jacob because he's like, yeah, I imagine it would create a bit of a situation. (laughs) (laughs) You can't just go around and be like, okay, okay. I need to cut your dick skin because of what happened to my sister. Did they save the foreskins? There's stem cells in there. You can really use them to, you know. According (laughs) to. According to Meet the Fockers, <laughs> yes. <laughs> have y'all not? Have y'all seen Meet the Fockers? Where the a long time ago, the uh, very long time. What's his What's his name's? Uh, ben Stiller's foreskin ben falls Stiller. into like the like the communal wine or something, or in the fondue. So they kept his foreskin. Yes. Oof, parents are weird. <laughs> I mean, my parents kept my lost teeth, so I don't know. See, that's more fun because then you can use them to create an enamel floor of your dollhouse. Uh, Tanya is really pro me taking any uh, teeth that I find and uh, using them to enamel the the flooring of my my childhood dollhouse that I am uh, giving a remodel. Um, I'm not sure if we're going to go there quite yet. (laughs) It's not original, but here's another spoiler for probably most people here except for Jen. Um, if you watch Sharp Objects <laughs> on HBO or read the book, um, good show, pretty much. That is part of the plot. Amy Adams is the main character and her younger sister is a serial killer of fellow teen girls. And she pulls her teeth out and then um, uses them to enamel her dollhouse floor. All right, Claire. And the first, I just want to like, it's brief. And I just want us to laugh at how weird and mundane it is. The silent killer. On average, 1,000 people in the United States 
die every year from carbon monoxide poisoning. Carbon monoxide is a colorless, odorless, tasteless gas. It binds to blood with 250 times more affinity than oxygen, and therefore places oxygen in the blood, resulting in eventual suffocation. It has just taken <laughs> the lives of four members of the Wood family. Okay. Like, I'm sorry, I get money from like to all these people dying. It just there's so many of them. I'm just kind of like I can't feel. It's just like in all these ultra dramatic, like made for TV movie specials, there's like, and here's a public safety safety announcement about carbon monoxide. I mean, why can't they do a hell play where it's like, uh, Fred ate too many saturated fats and trans fats from the course of his life and he had a heart attack at the age of 68. And now we have to see what the consequences of his actions through his entire life begets him in the afterlife. (laughs) Okay, the next one I want to read is much more like straight from an ABC family teen drama. Nobody likes to be picked on, especially Simon. He seems to have been on the wrong end of jokes his whole life. Toby has been trying to reach out to Simon, inviting him to church, but Simon can't let go. One tormentor of Simon's is Mitch, a partier and narcissistic boyfriend to Alexis. After hiding many dark secrets, Alexis is just trying to make right of her past. While secretly carrying Mitch's baby, she turns to Toby for biblical advice, for biblical guidance. With a new lease on her spiritual life, she and Toby reach out to Mitch, but is it too late? Simon has emerged with a firearm <laughs> at the end of the rampage. Okay, so this is All four one. lay dead and awakened to find their eternal destination. I think we killed Shelby. <laughs> it's just done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm just trying to put myself in the shoes of like if you had been watching these plays over and over and over and over and over again for like 18 years, haven't you heard like every single way a human being can die? Like, does it actually like impact you in any way? Like, how could these plays still have any effect? Like, I'm only hearing them like now and I'm just like, well, okay. Like, I don't know. It seems like if you're at all religious and you cross paths with a non-religious person, you're going to fucking die because of that non-religious person somehow. <laughs> Well, and that's kind of like the point, right? So it it sort of inflate. Yeah, I mean, right. And so like the impact on that, like it's very much a social impact of like, I can't even be associated with people Mm -hmm. like this, which like on the other hand of it, it, it's almost like this weird paradox of like, I need to convert you, but I can't get too close to you sort of situation and it's like so then when will you convert them I'm putting in air quotes because like you have to talk to people right and so what ends up happening is like more evangelical people will make friends with like non-christians with the goal of converting them and when their friends don't want to be converted uh or proselytize they just drop them like a sack of potatoes and what it ends up really doing is like their friends are really hurt because they're like wait I thought we were friends I didn't realize that I was your mission project it's just like these really um fake relationships I I think it's an isolating way to live oh I I do want to just come off what Shelby saying real quick and that is actually just like very much like the church atmosphere of um my husband's church family the church he grew up in like this dude who was supposedly his best friend like his entire life um as soon as when he finally realized that um my now husband like wasn't gonna leave me and like just be all up into the church life like he was uh yeah he dropped him well I mean can you really blame him if he remains friends with you guys then he might be driving on a highway one day and there's a logging truck in front of him and the logs fall off of it and impale him through his windshield like in Final Destination, so you know, it's gotta look out for a ladder from the fire escape might impale him through his eyeball I used to do a a fun game when I, it was not fun, it was terrifying but um, because I'm a lot for punishment 
but we had uh so where Shelby and I grew up there's a lot of chemical plants and so my mom had like a little manual where you could read what the little the little triangle signs on the back of different trucks read I feel like in this scenario there wouldn't be a logging truck it'd be one of these like combustible upon contact with air yeah um yeah I found something really interesting on the judgmenthouse.org website which is how is this different from hell house and oh (laughs) and tell us more it starts out with judgment house and hell house are only similar in that they are both walk through dramatic presentations in which a guide helps audience members follow the story or scene being shared this is the only thing they have in common and then there's the salvation spiel now As I read this next paragraph, I want us to recall the plot summaries we just read. Judgment House does not deal with socially controversial issues and instead chooses to focus the entire presentation and, in fact, every scene, even hell, on presenting people with the opportunity to choose a saving and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Hell House, on the other hand, deals very graphically with highly controversial social issues such as abortion, homosexuality, date rape, and suicide. The guides for Hell House for a Hell House presentation are demons who want to convince the audience that there is a penalty for these sinful social behaviors. Hell House is very controversial, not only to most churches, but to the general public as well. Here, I mean, really, here's the thing. They're just out there to make money. I mean, the Judgment House stock protest a bit much, methinks. <laughs> <laughs> It's got a very like whoever smelt smelt it dealt it sort of vibe. Yeah. <laughs> it's not they're not as critical as they're not as critical of Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. So, but they're not gonna talk about anything socially controversial. So no abortions, no teen pregnancy, no suicide. But they just had one they of just had one on teen pregnancy. pregnancy. Yeah. And apparently so, the baby died. So like Yeah. Everybody's dead in a house. And also there was a lot about like partying and drugs and claire and her siblings went to a private like what was it presbyterian it was non-denominational christian except it was heavily protestant and that like people thought catholics were not christians yeah like suddenly wanted to convert the few catholics that went there it was weird. Look, non-denominational is just closet baptist basically yeah, i mean it's, <laughs> it really is there's really no is. such That's thing as non-denominational you may just like not answer to a specific body or like ecclesial authority which i would say is pretty dangerous so that's actually um also by the way uh my husband's uh home church they switched from being second baptist to being just called second a non-denominational church that doesn't have to answer to anyone i mean if you're going to change the name why would you just call yourself second definitely goes there what? Just call yourself first. Like, why don't you call yourself first? Like, why are you already No, because that's the other first, because they were second. Well, I think first became fellowship. Oh, oh, the, 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 the Hell House thing that I got invited to was that memorial. Okay, so the one that I went to was at Baptist. Mm. And these are all in the same town, by the way. <laughs> hey, uh, well, you've got a lot of options on the menu, all right? so many options also if you didn't like the um for catholics if you went right outside of town you could go to express mass which cut out all the singing and it was just like bare bones and you were in and out of that baby in 30 minutes sweet that's still 30 minutes of my life i would like to decide what to do on my own (laughs) (laughs) i have to say like a lot of a lot of these churches too they just like they just like take like so much of your time. So in these circles, uh, male headship is a thing and you want your husband to also be like your spiritual leader. And so if you're a younger girl, <laughs> Jen. You're going to kill Jen. You're literally like, you're literally like Jen is going to melt. And also and she's going to like- turn into a wicked witch. Well, I mean, there's like this dynamic, like you need your husband to be your spiritual leader. And so like the age difference sort of like helps with that because there's a more 
solid power differential, um, <laughs> a more obvious power differential that icky, like icky, women icky. raised in the church have been taught to be attracted to or have been socialized to be attracted to. It just like creates this very weird dynamic. And then, you know, like the parents are just so shocked that the man is so mature and they, you know, have raised their daughters to be perfect submissive wives and have been praying for a man to come and lead their spiritual life. And, and so it ends up weirdly not like, I wouldn't say working out because that's not a phrase that I would want to ascribe to this, but it like, it's a very interesting social dynamic, like a familial social dynamic in particular, where like, I think maybe where most parents would be a little freaked out about this these parents are more uh awestruck or something i hate it it's what they've I been praying so for you know I, I hate it so much i'd like to write a hell play about you know these various pastors and stuff who keep going after you know younger people in their flocks they're at a, a they're at a youth christian fellowship picnic by a lake and then a a herd of alligators leaps from the water and tears them to pieces and then they're forced to reckon with their shit-ass lives that they've lived (laughs) well and you know by (laughs) contrast and here's like what's in in the grand scheme of history like if you want to go all the way back to like what a hell play is or like a drama uh you could go back to dante's inferno where dante put actual popes in hell Uh, yeah people he hated was in conflict with michelangelo when he painted the sistine chapel depicted one of his commissioning popes or bishops or whatever in like the circle of hell and it's like a very obvious like visual connection and so he got more funding because of it nice some of it was like yeah like political but also like especially for someone like Dante Dante was kicked out of Florence um and they really love him now and they have a tomb for him and he's not there I've seen his real tomb I know where his body is if you want to tell someone they're going to go to hell just tell them they're going to go to hell I can't tell you how many times people have told me you're going to go to hell (laughs) it's fine you can say it to our faces just tell us you don't need to do this little rigmarole (laughs) (laughs) look y'all Save your church some money. Yeah. <laughs> we don't Maybe. want to help people. Yeah. It was like, let me help you churches out there. In addition to the rampant need for a grammar and, you know, editor that I have been saying since we started doing this podcast. In addition, why don't you save yourself some money and just know that all of us who aren't going to your church, we know that you think we're going to hell. We, we know about hell. And, you know, your beliefs generally regarding it. Might not know about the little minutia of everything, uh, but we get the we get the point. Certainly your own people don't need to know that you are. They already know that we're going to go to hell. So it's fine. Just maybe save yourself some money and like donate to a homeless shelter or, you know, feed the poor. Do like the good yeah. stuff. Well, and <laughs> like here really someone. is the thing, like when like the ultimate like good thing that you can do is evangelize and like save people from eternal damnation again in air quotes you know that is the best way that these churches like have assumed that you know they are doing something good you know they're not saving lives they're saving Mm -hmm. souls and so like there's this echo chamber effect going on like it's not so much that people are being converted in these spaces as much as it is they feel really good about evangelizing their community that really isn't coming or like their friends are dragging their child friends to these plays with. And also there's like this level of recommitment or renewal of your current membership because nobody gets scared of hell more than a current Christian, right? Yeah. Uh, Why can't they just uh, have a pep rally? Like, just have a pep rally if you want to feel good about yourself and have no, a no. have going on. <laughs> um, so do we have any final thoughts or comments on Southern Hell Plays? I feel like you three should write a Hell Play together. We should perform it at one point. I would I really, just, really enjoy I, that. I think we should go around and state, like, a funny Halloween costume we wore as a kid. Just because I have a story that I think will make Jen laugh. <laughs> because I do enjoy funny stories that make me laugh. Um, it wasn't my favorite Halloween I mean, costume, 
but I dressed up as a pioneer girl like probably awkwardly too old to like wear the costume I was like in middle school and someone asked me while I was trick-or-treating like I was probably in like fifth or sixth grade like the like the tail end of like trick-or-treating like I don't know but someone asked me if I was a Mormon (laughs) I was gonna say if you're wearing a pioneer dress and you you got like the bun going on that 100% is like I was going for like little house on the prairie yeah there was a lot of dresses at Target there for a while that were like giving me like Warren Jeff's vibes oh yeah it's so bad <laughs> I will say uh my uh childhood Halloween costume of mine um that was very memorable was when I was three I was Barney oh <laughs> no 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 um when I was little we had my brother had a Barney costume and my three sisters and I had baby bop costumes and there's a picture of just the four of us hanging out in our our Barney and baby bop costumes Oh, oh my god. god. I was very, very adamant that I needed to be Barney. My cousin was a uh there's a picture of my cousin who was a Dalmatian and I was Barney. Oh, that's beautiful. Do you have a you have a memorable costume, Shelby? I was the little mermaid a couple of times. Um, I was an elephant once. I did like the poodle skirt one when I was like in the fourth grade or fifth grade. So nothing like particularly special I think it was a Barbie one year just like your standard issue costumes uh none of my none of my costumes are standard we're gonna talk about a full range I was also like some really weird shit like surprised you were the hunchback of Notre Dame (laughs) (laughs) she's told you about her birthday party right oh yes this is why this 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 is why I tell other people that I know who have never met you I'm like you want to know the person who I think I'm not entirely certain was ever a child it's my friend Tanya because she had a hunchback of Notre Dame birthday party at the age of like four or five who does that I <laughs> me I know it is delightfully I iconic Esmeralda. I was obsessed with Esmeralda and I mean, yeah, she's so no, hot. She's worth burning in health. Absolutely. <laughs> this will definitely be a bonus episode of me discussing my fourth birthday party <laughs> and my love for Hunchback of Notre Dame and watching it as an adult. Yes, I was like a a witch, like a Hermione Granger esque witch for many years, and then I didn't trick or treat for a very long time because childhood trauma bullshit. The last like Halloween costume I had under the age of eighteen was I was a fairy. You absolutely were. I was. I only really remember two mm-hmm. Halloween costumes: one from a, as a kid, and then one like in like as an undergrad. Um, as a kid, of course, I did my best that I could to come up with a costume that would make me look like Sailor Moon because she fucking kicked ass, <laughs> and uh, you could probably tell it. I'm not to a lot of things uh, that are relevant to my life today and what I do. Um, <laughs> I show Tanya pictures of my my manga bookshelf. Uh, <laughs> this shelf is full of extremely gay, <laughs> lots of extremely gay comic books. And I'm like, yes, explains a lot of how where I got to today <laughs> in terms of my <laughs> queer studies. <laughs> like, I guess it was always there all along. Um, and then as an adult. Um, I went as a uh, Gogo Yubari from Kill Bill. Uh, she was like the, the Japanese school girl that had like the yeah. ball and chain with like a big like razor blade on it. Yeah. Uh, I went as that primarily because it was for a, uh, a a dance or like a big party or whatever. And I wanted to look hot. Uh, so <laughs> I didn't put on a wig or like anything like that. I just had like my hair, but uh, the morning star ball and chain thing kind of did the heavy lifting of people being able to guess who I was supposed to be. So that'll do yeah. it i think i have pictures of that on facebook somewhere ancient oh, ancient good. facebook pictures so, none of the sailor moon one though at least all right well thank you for listening to remedial sunday school and enjoy our spooky halloween episode <laughs> with our wonderful friend shelby until next time to learn more weird ass shit